0: It's time for our journey to begin. You walk through our forests, yet you remain a mystery. What are you? Why do you hide? In the land we call Wilderness, there lives a creature that has become one with legend. At the moment, it's about to have an unpleasant encounter with the self-styled masters
1: of the wilderness, Matt. Welcome to OK Talk. I'm
2: Clinton. I'm Matt. Good to be back.
1: It's good to be back. It's good to have you here, as always. Sorry that I have to do things when you're not around, but sometimes... The podcast world cannot wait. We
2: lead busy lives.
1: We do indeed. We do indeed. We wanted to discuss the greatest living hermit known to man, Dadis Perry. I'm just kidding. Uh, why don't you go ahead and explain?
2: Yeah. story is called The Strange and Curious Tale of the Last True Hermit, published in GQ, or at least on GQ.com.
1: Still Online by Michael Finkel.
2: Yes. A great article by the way. Really great read. And it tells the story of a guy named Christopher Knight who set out into the woods in the in 1986 and stayed there for 27 years. 27 years. 27 years. This is in Maine. What did they call him? The North Pond Hermit.
1: North Pond.
2: He was there from 1986 until he was captured in 2013 in the middle of a burglary.
1: Yeah. So the story basically starts out with he's robbing a, like a summer camp. Right. And it's real easy for him because he already has the keys to the joint, which he had stole long ago. Right. He's going in, getting some food the way that they ended up catching this guy after 26 years in which they had only one photograph of this man. They had no idea who he was. There was one game trail photograph of him that existed. They were so serious about catching him that they implemented a silent alarm that the sheriff had set up at his house. And there was
2: one guy that was on the case,
1: right? Who was determined to catch him and had gotten it down to where he could get there in three minutes. Right. Right the guy broke into everybody's place.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. So basically this guy went out into the woods and found himself a shelter and lived there for almost 3 decades. And to get food, he wouldn't I don't think that he, I don't think it said that he that he did any hunting. No, no, no. He would just he would just sort of scavenge for food. It got to the point where people were noticing. Like he was in an area where I think he moved around a lot, but he was in an area, he ended up in an area where there were a lot of sort of summer cabins and seasonal type stuff where people would only be there for parts of the year.
1: In the northernmost portion of Maine, and you said he found himself a shelter, he basically found like a rocky outcropping, two rocks converged in a yellow wood with which he could hide behind, and the canopy was built such that you could be right off of a trail A few feet away and not know that he was there. Exactly. He was a few hundred yards away from a home, at least a cabin, on private property. Right. And the guy took everything. He stole a bed and kind of lived pretty fat. This reporter from GQ actually went and met with the man. He was jail.
2: Yeah, he was uh, after he was caught. He was very standoffish. Wouldn't talk to a lot of people this guy from GQ wrote him a bunch of times until finally he just on a whim went and visited the prison where he was. And the guy sat down and talked to him and they eventually struck up a relationship to where he told him vaguely how to get to his hideout. And he went to, and he went to go find it. And even he's saying he knowing where it was, he could not find it.
1: Yeah. I thought it was amazing that the things that, He did with like the magazines, binding them together with uh, duct tape, putting them underneath his tent shelter area to give a stable foundation. Yeah. He buried his garbage. He had little stash boxes in different places in the forest that if he did need to make a quick getaway, he could, and he would store warm clothes there because, kids, it's cold in Maine.
2: You think it gets cold here in the winter? It's miserable up there. And this guy... 20 below yeah he lived he did he never lit a fire
1: yeah he used a propane stove to cook Mm Mm-hmm. never lit a fire and he would just eat junk food in the woods yeah basically
2: so the thing that's uh i mean like we said he was known as the the north pond hermit he was given that name because people were noticing like hey my house keeps getting broken into stuff keeps getting stolen now he wouldn't he wasn't violent he said he always took care to make sure the people weren't there And he would just break in and take what he needed and leave. But people were noticing. You can imagine that even with that going on, having not, you know, not running into people, people were were scared because they were there was this somebody out there constantly breaking into their homes and taking things. And so he sort of became this mythical figure that no one could prove really existed. But somebody was breaking into their homes all the time to the point where people were waiting up with guns, waiting for this guy to show up. Yeah, it's
1: amazing that he didn't get shot.
2: Yeah. He said in his entire time there, 27 years, he saw one person, a guy that was happened to be walking by on a trail. Yeah, you know, like a hiker. And the hiker said hello, and mm-hmm. I think he said he just nodded his head to him.
1: You know, he said he said hi. Hi. He so said, what else do you say? Yeah. And when he was caught, he had a problem speaking because he had just quit talking. He wasn't necessarily uneducated. I mean, he went to high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, I thought this was interesting. While he's being talked to by this reporter, he's saying, quote, cooking is too kind of a word for what I did, Chris told me. He had not been sick in the woods, and his worst accident was a tumble on some ice, but his teeth were rotten, and no wonder. I dug through his 25 years of trash buried between boulders and kept inventory. A five-pound tub that once held marshmallow fluff. An empty box of devil dogs. Interesting. (laughs) Peanut butter, Cheetos, honey, graham crackers, Cool Whip, tuna fish, coffee, tater tots, pudding, soda, El Monterey, spicy jalapeno chimichangas, and on and on and on. He stole radios and earphones, hid an antenna up in the tree. For a while, he listened to a lot of conservative talk radio, Matthew. Later, he got hooked on classical music. <laughs> he even listened to television series. Like, uh, everybody loves Raymond, yeah. but just the audio, he and it became the, uh, theater of the mind. Yeah, I thought it was funny that of all of his music that he listened to, um, he had the highest of praise for Skinnerd, Leonard <laughs> Skinnerd. He said, quote, they will be playing Leonard Skinnerd songs in a thousand years.
2: It's quite, it's quite a claim. <laughs>
1: It is quite a claim.
2: Here are some stories from people who were living through this. Uh, The robberies continued. Boat batteries, frying pans, winter jackets. Fear took hold. We always felt like he was watching us, one resident said. Police were called repeatedly but were unable to help. People would leave notes for him. Please don't break in. Tell me what you need and I'll leave it for you. There was never a reply. The legend of the hermit lived on for years and years, said Pete Cogswell, whose jeans and belt were worn by the hermit when he was caught. Amazing. Did I believe it? No. Who really could? And who could? Like, some guy living out in the middle of the woods forever?
1: Now, this is interesting because in that same area, we just had the two inmates escape. Right. And try to survive. And they didn't make it very long.
2: No, they didn't make it very long at all. This guy had no training. To speak of I think he might have said he he had been camping a couple of times when he was younger
1: no he said he had never been in a tent before if he had been camping it was outside but he had no idea yeah.
2: uh he he just he just decided to wander off in the woods one day and live out there and he he made it it's such it's such a crazy story and it's such a it, the story that I read this and again the strange and whatever just look up the, the wild last. and
1: curious life of a hermit <laughs> on GQ.
2: You look up the last true hermit, you'll find it. Yeah. But I was reading the story and the whole time I was thinking how interesting we had spent so much time talking about Sasquatch that this story that I would f- find this story. And uh my wife actually found it and said you ought to read this. And, Credit uh, given. And what's that? Credit given. Credit given. Bing. And to me, reading this story reminded me of us talking about how could something live out in the woods and no one ever see it. And here you have a guy with no training, no supplies, you know, like nothing really to, to live off of. He had to constantly be breaking into places. Uh, he didn't hunt or anything like that. He was, he was just living off of other people's stuff. And yet still, for 27 years, he was not caught and he was only seen once.
1: Yeah. And the crazy thing is, I mean, he was breaking into these places like they were looking for him. He was going back and back to the same locations to steal everything that he had in this world from underwear to food. They knew who he was. He was a legend, a legend of the wood. Right. And he made it, like you said. He he had it down. He had like the length of his beard that it should be so that it kept him warm, but that the ice didn't accumulate on it. And I think that not only does this show just what you could get away with, and I thought it was fascinating that it did say that everything that he had he painted some sort of camo, all the way down to the push pins that he would use mm-hmm. to or the whatever kind of pins that he would use to hang up his clothes. And that's the thing. He was super clean. Said the most important thing was to keep your feet clean and dry. Yeah. And would wash his clothes, obviously. Anyway, it's amazing that he got away with it. Um, Especially when they said how you could just basically walk right by his hut and not know that he was there. His little outcropping. And as camouflage as he may be, don't know that he would look like a tree if he just stand, stood still and held his arms out. Although I'd kind of think I'd like to see him try. But you told me you're fascinated by this because you wanted to go to the wood.
2: I, for the longest time, I've had this feeling inside of me that I just wanted to get rid of everything, Take what you need and... Just go somewhere.
1: Like Lenny Kravitz's penis. You want to just
2: get away. <laughs> just get away.
1: I want to get away.
2: <laughs> like, I, and I don't even know how I would do it. Like, I don't know if I would try to hop on a train or, like, I don't know what you would do.
1: That seemed like a very hobo thing to do. A
2: very hobo thing to do. That's how
1: I kind of remember hobos, with a stick, with a bandana with tied, tied on the end, yep. with a few necessities.
2: Yeah, and uh, I always, you know, I, I would always say, man, I wish... I I there's something in me that just wants wants to just see what that's like to just kind of not have to not, you know, not go to work, not not do anything, just sort of head out into the wilderness and see what you can do. And uh I mean, obviously, family, family stopped me from doing that. Thankfully, I don't I don't like seafood, so I wouldn't want to because that's I think that'd be one of the big things. You'd have to catch fish to live. And wouldn't, I, I wouldn't really want to do that. You wouldn't be out there noodling. <laughs> No, but is that, I mean, is that something that's ever crossed your mind? Like just the the thought of disappearing out into the wilderness or just somewhere else? Yeah, I, I think that
1: I definitely was into being in the woods and I spent a lot of time in the woods by myself and then with friends, but even... You know, through high school and even uh, maybe after I graduated, I can't remember when I decided that this wasn't for me, but I was, you know, I'd be out in the woods on a lease in the middle of nowhere solo. And there's definitely some comfort to it. Yeah. Now I like camping, still do. I used to like the, I think when I I was a little kid, I used to like pretending that like I was on a mission and I'm a lone ninja warrior in the woods and, you know, nobody can find me. Right. So, yeah, there may have been something to that. I, the thing that amazes me about this is I don't know, like, I'm a really social person. I like being around people but i can just as easy be done with people. Yeah. Um but i don't know that i could go so long. I think that's what would drive me crazy. But you know like i'm a big fan of the movie Castaway. You know uh, that was a lot of the appeal of that was how on an island right everybody expects you're dead. What are you going to do now? And you know one of the things in that movie is that he gets Wilson, makes himself a face and he talks to it and it kind of keeps his sanity. Yeah. That would be my greatest worry is really the dementia thing setting in. And I don't know if that would just mean that, you know, you had a constant conversation in your head with however many people decided to pop up or I don't know. I don't know if uh, I could clear my mind enough. I thought it was he talks about meditation in there, but mainly meditating to try to survive in the winter.
2: Yeah, not die. But the isolation thing
1: I, I like the romantic aspect of it.
2: Right. I think that's where I fall as well, is I like the idea of being on your own.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe and- befriend a grizzly. <laughs> right. Run in the woods with it.
2: Well, I, I even thought about not even necessarily going into the wilderness, but just going to a different city uh, and not really just having anything there and just, and just kind of...
1: So just dropping and starting anew? Yeah. Now that's different. That is different. Because yeah. then that means you can, you know, become a different person and start a new life yeah. and all of those things, which I imagine isn't that hard. No, I don't think I don't think not so. yet. Not until they get that chip in you. <laughs> it's, in, it's in your food. <laughs> um. So, yeah, uh, the move into a different I could see, you know, taking on a new identity or whatever, but being in a wood and being a hermit, and the th- crazy thing is he never really gives any idea of why. I mean, he had a brother, he had two brothers. he, he uh, You know, his brother just signed a co- co-signed on his car. Yeah, and he drove the car out and left it. I owe him for that one. <laughs> I gave him seven months. That's it. Yeah. And they didn't really know how to deal with the idea of someone who had been st- a petty thief breaking and entering for so long. And the argument was that he had stolen more people's peace of mind than anything that was of value. Right. Um, I mean, imagine,
2: imagine living in it, living in that area. How many people do you think thought that it was Sasquatch? That's a very good question. I bet, th- I bet that was at least floated a couple of times. Oh yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You've got to think that people were like up there at the harbor, they've got a, a big <laughs> up there. Oh Yeah. He stole my marshmallow fluff. <laughs> That's a bad Boston main accent it's mashup close enough for Yeah, uh, it it's crazy. It's crazy to think that you could he pulled it off. I think you could pull it off. It's just a matter of how long you could last and I would think that it's interesting that he didn't get sick because that's a thing.
2: A lot of it sounds like it was luck. I mean, to to have to survive in the just in the winter. How do you
1: not get a toothbrush and toothpaste, though? That's if you're true. stealing everything in the world, how do you let that happen? If Tom Hanks from Castaway saw him, that's what he would do, is choke him out. Yeah. Because the most terrifying thing in Castaway isn't when he's riding on a boat and a whale is underneath him. It's when he has to use a ski to, to
2: remove a rotten tooth on his own. Yeah. Without medicine, yeah, that is that is. I think about that all the time and how, how I, awful that that yes. scene. Was. I don't even think I can. I think I've only watched that scene once. Yeah, I don't think I can watch it again. It prevents
1: me from watching the movie now. <laughs> yeah, I, how did he not steal? What what if it was just that he was like so grossed out by the idea that
2: somebody had used it that he would just rather his teeth rot? Exactly. <gasps> Uh, I've, I've, I mean, I found there's so many things about this story that I find interesting about how, you know, to him. Being around other people was just like he had been away for so long, like he just he was he was better suited to living in the wilderness than being. I mean, even in prison, like he was saying, yeah, jail
1: nearly killed him. Yeah,
2: he was uh, he he was worse off in in jail being fed and being kept warm and being kept alive than he was living out in the, out in the wilderness, basically, you know, at, at the mercy of, of mother nature.
1: Yeah. I can only imagine the difference between the pristine, quiet and solitude to then being in a place where again, the constant banging and opening of doors and sirens. And, but it, you know, he says that he didn't, he didn't like looking people in the face when he talked to them. you know, he was not comfortable.
2: Yeah. I think it also said he had a, a, a Asperger's syndrome. Asperger's. Yeah. So. And whether biological. or not it was that
1: case beforehand or he developed that, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine you you might develop some sort of strange disorder while it, uh, out there.
1: Yeah. And, you, you know, it's funny. We're talking about Castaway, you know, when he comes back and they have that big party for him and he's standing in the room and the thing that they're serving is crab legs, you know? Yeah he's like hmm, i'm never gonna eat a crab again
2: um gosh such a such a, such an interesting story and and it, like i said it just lends so much credence to the idea that there's something living in the in the woods
1: that it, that it wouldn't be that hard to uh, to remain hidden
2: right especially if it's something that is adapted to that environment
1: yeah something that doesn't need Toothbrush and toothpaste or even to just poop in the wood.
2: Yeah. Again, you're talking about a guy who was camped out on private property. Now, I don't know how big land that was, but it was at least someone's land. Uh, It wasn't just a state park or something like that.
1: Yeah. Just the idea of him having to bury his garbage. If you just think over that long of time, no matter how green you were, this guy's, you know basically buried his footprint underneath him. Mm -hmm. That would have to start to pile up at some point. I mean, that, you know, and it said that he was always, you know, on task because by the end of the summer, you know, you have to spend the fall saving up for winter and getting fat. That's why he would eat all the sugar.
2: Yeah. Why didn't
1: he get a toothbrush? (laughs) What are you thinking, man?
2: Yeah, it's... uh, He lived on private property. He was 100 yards away from a house and... Again, 27 years, saw one person. They only saw him once.
1: Imagine. No internet. Didn't know anything about
2: that. No, yeah. You're talking about going in the woods in, in 86. That's pre, pre-internet, pre pre, for all intents and purposes, the personal computer. Um, Never, you know, never sent an email. Never, you know, did did searched anything online
1: yeah it did say that he had stolen a few handheld video games uh-huh but quickly tired of them <laughs> which means the battery ran out right yeah
2: what a, what a i i would think that alone would just be fascinating to find out what what you felt about it and i'd like to i mean he yes he was he was sentenced to 7 months he'd already served almost all of it uh and then he was ordered to Basically to check in with a with a judge.
1: Yeah, you can't go back into the woods. You can't disappear. Yeah.
2: What do you do? What do you do at that point if you're that guy?
1: He went to live with his mom. And, you know, it's the same thing with prison recidivism rates, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, when someone's incarcerated, you become used to your incarceration and you don't know what to do with yourself with the freedom. And you're talking about a guy who has no previous job experience or if he did it was 27 years ago yeah the only thing that you're known for is being a mythical hermit of north pond what are you going to do for a job yeah what kind of training do you have what previous job experience do you have and that's you know that's what the people in prison are facing just being released and i've just been in prison yeah i think that we need to do an experiment though I think this week you need to disappear. It's 106 outside.
2: (laughs) It's a perfect week to do it. Just walk out. What a difference.
1: It would be to live in the woods in Texas than in Maine.
2: I can can only imagine it would be. I don't know that I'd make it out here.
1: It is so hot outside,
2: Matt. Mosquitoes would kill me.
1: Yeah. You know, that's a big thing apparently you know that was a big problem for the inmates was the they were pretty rough
2: yeah of
1: course they were on the run this dude moved around and then found his spot yeah. and you know the reporters said that it was a pretty good spot yeah obviously it
2: i love the fact that his family didn't even report him missing meh. <laughs> i mean maybe that tells you a little bit of why he disappeared
1: yeah it's a really big help when people aren't coming after you looking yeah. for you it does make a big difference, but did you ever run away from home as a kid?
2: No, I never, and I never really, I never considered it. Of course, you know, my, my home life was not, this, not such that I really wanted to run away. Right.
1: Silver spoon.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> did you?
1: No, I think I probably threatened it, but yeah, no,
2: again, it was one of those things where I didn't know what I would do when i got i got there i never got so overcome with emotion that i just wanted to wanted to disappear yeah i think i think maybe my grandparents lived out in the woods and i think every now and then i would run out in the woods and just hang out for a little while but it was never you know i always came back after a little bit so it was never that i tried to disappear out there
1: yeah i wonder what the wonder what the craziest creepiest thing that ever happened to him was out there or if he was just in a
2: I'd love to know. You had to, you had to think that you get so in tune with what's going on out there that's I mean any small change you'd you'd notice it.
1: Yeah, he was really concerned about a mushroom growing on a tree. Yeah, that he had watched, watched grow for all these years, and that was one of the first things that he asked him, was my
2: mushroom still there?" <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, uh, this guy should write a book, honestly, like uh, that's, that's what he should do.
1: yeah is write
2: a, write a book about it. Although he I should have
1: really, somebody help him with that. yeah I, that is
2: he did he did read the uh I saw it here just a second ago. Debbie Baker, it, her young boys were terrified of the hermit. The family renamed him the Hungry Man. They were the ones that had the surveillance camera that caught the picture of him in 2002.
1: 2002. The blurry trail cam photo.
2: And he wasn't caught for another 11 years.
1: He was looking over his right shoulder, turning <laughs> merely his torso.
2: Just, a, just a, I, I encourage everybody to go read that. GQ.com.
1: And again, I encourage you... To run into the wood. <laughs>
2: to disappear.
1: hmm hmm What
2: would we do then? Well, we
1: wouldn't do anything. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should just assign you a payphone to get to. Where's the nearest payphone? Do you remember when we were kids and the people that had cell phones were the drug dealers? Uh-huh. Now the people who use payphones are the drug dealers. <laughs> exactly. There's got to be something going on there. Where's the nearest payphone?
2: Probably the airport.
1: The airport.
2: There's still payphones at the airport.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Well, I'm not going to tell you to go to the airport payphone, (laughs) but I'm going to give you a charge to be at a certain place, very Andy Dufresne. You will find me here at the following location.
2: Have you ever uh, thought about geocaching? I looked into doing that for a while. That and um, like the urban exploring thing. I don't know if you've heard of that. No, what's that? it's sort of like you find out where there are abandoned buildings or abandoned sewer pipes things things of that nature okay and you just go hang out and you know it's sort of like like going out in the woods but instead you're exploring tons
1: of selfies you get you a selfie stick and <laughs> exactly. go to an empty sewer pipe exactly
2: uh sounds you, like a good time you just uh you just go and explore the building yeah and see, and that that's that kind of stuff fascinates me as well, yeah, it's just run down areas of town where there's nothing going on, yeah, you just think about what what went on there old buildings that are abandoned,
1: like Chernobyl, oh. I remember the first time I saw like a photographic diary of someone who had rode through Chernobyl on a motorcycle and taken a bunch of pictures, and the whole ghost town thing,
2: yeah, I watched the. I guess it was the Vice documentary, or a Vice special on it. Oh yeah, where they w- went and visited there, and did any like hybrid hogs? I don't think attack they s- them. No, I don't think they saw any. I don't think they saw any of that. If and they may have seen some dogs, um, but I they, they I believe it was in this one, or if if not, they at least had some shots of it. There was a there's an amusement park in the in the city because the whole city was built up around Chernobyl to sort mm-hmm. of house all the workers. Yeah and there's an amusement park there so it's just this weird eerie thing of this mid 80s amusement park with all the stuff still there yeah but it's just completely abandoned
1: i saw another place that was maybe there was a winter olympics somewhere in eastern europe
2: mm-hmm. that
1: then there was a war and so now there's just like you know like this like half of a slalom that's been taken over by a jungle or yeah seen You know, Six Flags in New Orleans was like that for the longest time. Really? If not still. That shut down after Katrina never reopened. Something creepy about an empty amusement park.
2: There's something very creepy about that. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but just seeing all those rides sitting there still.
1: Especially if you drank the water on the... uh, it's a small world ride, like Lisa did in The Simpsons, uh-huh. and she starts tripping out. She's on <laughs> that boat. I am the Lizard Queen. <laughs> yeah, the. I I like the idea of the abandoned thing. I I don't know if. I don't know if the geocaching thing that appeals to me is the idea of. See, I I read a lot of things where, like families, it's cool for families to do because it gives you an activity. Of course, right now, if you went outside, whatever has been geocached would be melted <laughs> because it's 106. But I like that aspect of it. I've heard that a lot of it's just crap, you know? I mean, it's not like you're... Yeah, you're
2: not finding anything cool. You're just...
1: But if it takes you to locations that are really cool, yeah. you know, or like, hey, this is a cool spot to have a picture or, again, selfie stick.
2: <laughs> I always had the fear that it was a setup. <laughs> That they'd send you to a location that there's somebody waiting there to get you,
1: and you'd be bending over underneath a bench, yeah. looking for said cash, a, and you'd get knocked on the head with a club. Mm-hmm. And yep. they'd kick you in the stomach a couple of times <laughs> and rifle through your pockets, <laughs> steal your Mentos. <laughs> did you see the? Did you see the girl who put the Mentos bikini on and got in a <laughs> bathtub full of Coca-Cola? I heard about it. Wow, I can, I can only imagine that ended poorly. Geocache that baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean the whole concept of going to places that are abandoned—that's a lot like. That's kind of part of the fun of ghost hunting.
2: I think that's the, like I think that's the biggest part of it is, is going somewhere that you're not supposed to be. I I there's a in the town where I grew up. There's a legend of the glowing tombstone which is there's a cemetery out in the middle of nowhere and you go there and there's a tombstone that that glows. And I I've seen it. Uh, a lot of people have seen it. I think there people have said it. The last time I was out there was was 4th of July and Like this 4th of July? Yes. Well, and we did not see it that night. Now I don't know if they have changed out the tombstone or or whatever I don't know what I don't know what happened but you've never heard any theories about why it glows I, I, you know I to be honest I think the theory was or what it was was uh, it was just the type of stone that they use but, really um, it, I was wondering if
1: it was like a car light you know from a long way away
2: no because it would do it it would do it uh, it's it's like I said it's out in the middle of nowhere so mm-hmm. no you, there weren't a lot of cars passing by right Um. but there w- there was at one time and i i guess it was probably still there there was a big a really tall street light uh it was basically on top of a telephone pole mm-hmm. um that was not nearby but but close enough you know i'd say a couple hundred yards away that uh might be casting a light down there or the full moon or something like that it would it would glow but it was very noticeable um and but of course you know ghost stories and like that crop crop cropped up around it. But part of the fun was the police would always patrol over there cuz kids were kids were going there all night, mm-hmm. you know, and getting out in the getting out in the middle of the cemetery in the middle of the night, neer do wells. <laughs> exactly. And I don't know holding séances or whatever, but they didn't want you running around in the cemetery at night for obvious reasons, you know, you'd run into a gravestone and hurt yourself or something like that. Right. So, we would when we wanted to visit it, we would go a friend lived nearby and we would go to his house, get dressed all in black.
1: Because that's, cause that's smart.
2: <laughs> yeah. And hit out in the middle of the night and paint your faces white. <laughs> exactly. Dead president style. <laughs> and hit out in the middle of the night and cut through fields and get there. And so most of the fun, like, oh, what, what do you do? You get there and you see a glowing stone. Or you go to, there was a bridge a little bit farther down the road that had another legend attached to it. And you go down to the bridge and you stand there for a while and nothing happens. Um, but, most of the fun was getting out there and diving into the ditch whenever a car drove by. Yeah. um, Just this idea that you're somewhere that you're not supposed to be.
1: And again, the hiding from the masses kind of comes into the excitement there. Right. You know, now you're not necessarily alone, but the whole spy (laughs) kind of... Right. They can't see me. (laughs) Comes into play.
2: Yeah, it... I mean, I I have to imagine living out in East Texas. You had your fair share of stories like that out there.
1: Yeah. And
2: local haunts that you would sneak around to. Yeah, so
1: in the last episode when I was talking about my friends that we watched the VHS tape with, The Secrets and Mysteries of the Unknown, um, that same little crew... My buddy, we were in the same grade or whatever, but he was like that weird thing where he's like a whole year older than you, but it's not because he's been held back. It's like...
2: Yeah, just had a weird birthday or something. Yeah,
1: and anyway, he was the first one of us to get uh, his driver's license, and he, he, uh, he was given a 1982 blue Datsun pickup truck. Nice. And the three of us... Brandon would of course always be driving and the radio situation in this car was so bad that it was a AM radio that was like stuck in there but you could pull it out there were coins inserted in as the dials (laughs) and then we had an actual box speaker from a house Uh like a house speaker (laughs) that we sat between the two seats and that's what Chris sat on being the smallest you know And it was obviously a stick, and we did bits with this car. We went and bought, like, at one point I bought, like, a bowling trophy at the dollar store or something. It Uh was just, like, number one bowler, like the biggest piece of crap you can imagine. And we duct taped it to the hood (laughs) as his hood ornament, which was awesome. I don't know how this stuff starts, where you hear about places that are creepy, but... We had heard that there was a a cemetery that was supposedly, not that it was haunted or anything, but that there was a lot of cult activity out there.
2: Yeah, that was also a big story.
1: And, you know, when we were kids, cults, they scared the crap out of our parents with the devil worship stuff. But it scared us even more, you know, especially the isolated community nature of, you know, the deep wood. And the fact that, you know, you could walk in to the woods somewhere and there'd be people in robes in a circle sacrificing cats or whatever. But when you get to a certain age, then while it may still be kind of spooky, you still kind of want to get that adrenaline rush again. If you're not, we weren't doing PCP, so we had to get our high from (laughs) somewhere. But uh, we found out about this place and we drove out there one Sunday afternoon. We all went to church together and... Most times after church and after we did the whole, all of us going out to eat with the fams and everything, and uh, we would participate in running around causing mayhem. And one afternoon we decided that that's where we were going to go, to this cemetery. And it seemed like it was, I don't know, 20 minutes maybe from town. And how... Who told us to go there and how we got there? I don't know, but we did approach it. But basically, it was a farm-to-market road, farm-to-market road, and then a farm-to-market road that dead-ended into this cemetery.
2: This was in the daytime?
1: This is daytime. It's a Sunday afternoon, crisp, bald day. And so we're driving out there, and when we were on the actual road... As we kept driving, kept driving, the the trees began to overhang over the road and it kind of created that tunnel, which during the daytime in the, you know, in the heavy forested areas can be pretty dark. You know, there's a pretty serious canopy and kind of gives you that tunnel vision again and the road gets progressively worse to the point where then it's just a dirt road and you can kind of come around this little corner little bend and there's a pretty steep hill and at the top of this the first thing that we can see is like a pavilion up there like an old pavilion but the cemetery is straight up on the top of this hill we drive as far as we can and right there like where you would technically be entering this old timey cemetery there was a big cable across the road like almost like a cattle guard kind of thing you know like two but it was basically like two cement poles and they had like a good thick metal cable that was hooked from one to the other so that whoops so that I think I just dumped us (laughs) There's a big metal cable hooked from one pole to the other so that you couldn't drive across there. And of course, we pull up and, you know, Brandon's like, the greatest thing about Brandon was he was all about it until it came time to be there. And then he became, (laughs) began the biggest chicken (laughs) of all time, you know. And he's like, well, there's a cable here. We can't go any further. And I'm like, cable here. Come on, man. So I get out, take the cable off. And we drive up and uh, maybe 100 yards uh, dirt road up to the top of this hill and it's surrounded by a chain link fence. And as we pull up, then we can tell that it's how old it's (laughs) how old it is, is that the pavilion is wood, probably like seven or eight box seats like old school church benches outside. Yeah. But I mean. They're kicked over, you know, they're tore up. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like anybody's been there. And I'm pull up and I'm like, okay, let's, and Brandon and Chris are looking at me like they don't want any part of it. I'm like, come on, man. So I get out and I I actually think that the chain link gate was closed. So I open that, you know, and I walk around and I'm looking at the first few graves that are kind of right around there this hill on top of which the cemetery sat was legitimately a hill like it sloped off to the edge, like to the back. So as I'm kind of walking around looking at the graves or whatever, I noticed that the like I I remember seeing two of these graves that were like children's graves like under the age of five. And there's like a string of them and they're all the same last name. Mm. And again, I'm not talking about like Civil War era stone, but you know, I don't know, maybe 30s, 40s, around in that time frame. And as I'm just kind of walking and looking at the ground, as I'm walking towards the back of the slope, you can see where there's clearly been a disturbance back there. There's mounds of dirt there's little like stick crosses, like branches from a tree that have been broken off like
2: Blair Witch type stuff.
1: Yeah. And as I'm seeing this, I get this really like, obviously it's creepy, but I get this really weird feeling. And I raise my head and probably 20 30 yards kind of down the slope on the other side of it I I really honestly I think that the forest had come in on the fence back there so there I I don't remember seeing the chain link fence that would be the back of the cemetery just woods you know yeah the first thing that I saw was silver and that's why it stood out to me there is a branch that's being held back and there's a lady looking at me and she's like white hair all around her face, real thin looking in her face. And I can really just see her white hair. And she had like one of those like shimmery spacesuit type looking shirts on. It's probably a blouse or whatever, but I can only see head to mid chest. And I, I looked her right in the eye. I turned around and I just started running to the truck and I'm like, go, go, go. And, Brandon and Chris are looking at me like what 's going on what 's going on and i 'm chugging I jump in the truck and of course brandon 's trying to get the little piece of, we call that we call that truck little d <clears throat> little d go go and they 're like what what i 'm just like, go, just go so he gets it going, and we you know cloud of dust down the hill, and he crosses the barrier and stops the freaking truck. And he's like, get out and close the, put the cable back, put the cable back. I'm like, put the cable back. He's like, put the cable back, man, put the cable back. So I get out in a in a rush. Yeah. And I run over to that pole, bend down, pick up the cable. And as I'm going to hook it <laughs> I actually put the cable on the hook. And so the way that this It was like this dirt road came to the entrance of the cemetery, but it also like broke off, like maybe you could drive around it. Mm -hmm. That I don't know if, again, I don't know what was going on there. I hooked this cable to this pole and I look up and maybe 10, 12 feet away from me is an old man who is super thin, really tall, super pale white, and he's wearing like overalls that I wanna say are like camouflage or they were just brown and dirty. But the kicker is he's holding like a scythe. What? He doesn't say anything. He's just staring at me, and I am locked in a gaze with this dude. Again, for the longest time, I called it a sickle, but that's, you know what I'm talking about. Like, Children of the Corn style, right? Like the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper (laughs) thing, yeah. And I'm looking right at him, and I mean, he's solid. You know, I'm not looking at an apparition. He's a real person, as far as I can tell and I'm like hypnotized or whatever, because the next thing I hear is clap! from the truck. Did they see him? Break, yeah, breaks me out of my haze and the looks on both of their faces as I jumped into the truck and we're all like looking back and the dust from the road covers him up and we did not go back. Good grief. So I don't know if it was like a family cemetery and maybe these old people live there, I can see them clear as day. That that lady, the way that she was peering at me through those woods, and no expression on either one of their faces, just the look of like, what the hell are you doing here? But no recognition that you're looking at me, no, just stone cold. They
2: didn't move whenever you locked eyes with them they just
1: no neither one of i I didn't see either one of them move i didn't see this guy walk up on me he was just there boom
2: for all you know he could have been there the whole time
1: i didn't see him when i unhooked the cable but when i hooked it back he was there so yeah you know (laughs) woods of east texas right (laughs) That's a true story too and both of those dudes would corroborate it. It certainly put where you go, what you do, what you get into in focus.
2: Yeah. I again, that's the for all, in, you know, for all likelihood you weren't seeing ghosts that day, but that's almost even more terrifying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's spooky. I didn't realize then that I was a giant pole with a magnet on the top of it. But (laughs) again, we put ourselves in that situation. That's one of those places where you hear, oh, let's go out to the spooky thing. Yeah. And then we get there. You know, for all I know, I'm glad that we escaped. I mean, I'm sure he was just clearing brush. Sure. Let's just he was just clearing brush with the dude had a scythe in his hand. (sighs) Hmm. I need a drink. (laughs) That's the first time I've talked about that in quite a while. And we did not plan on that, folks. It's experimental radio at its finest.
2: <laughs> there, were, there was a little cemetery like that. Now, I never had any experience like that out there. But down the street from my grandmother's house, there was an old, very old cemetery. And they had graves from the late 1800s there graves that would say, so and so child. Killed in an Indian attack. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a little. It's called Goshen Cemetery. And there's a little. There's the cemetery part. And then there's a like a one room church. That's still sitting there. And. It's just one of those places where. Even if you don't see anything. We, we went there in the middle of the night a few times. We went there in the middle of the day several times. And just opening that creaky door. Into the church. And the pews are all there. And I think I think it might. There are definitely people still being buried out there. It's it's still an active cemetery for the most part. I don't know if they do anything at the church or not. But um, when we first started going there, I don't think there was a whole lot of activity going on as far as new new burials. But uh, those places like that, like in and Veal Station where the glowing tombstone is, those places are just they're so inherently spooky that any little thing that happens out there is amped up by a million. I couldn't even imagine seeing somebody that I didn't expect to see.
1: Now, this is really crazy Mm. because this got me thinking this whole, like in the woods places where you're not supposed to go. Yeah. Just outside of Tyler, there's a place called, uh, there's a little town called Bullard and, yeah, One of the legends of the area, I wonder if your wife would have ever heard of this, this is uh, the Kilo Monument, spelled K-I-L-L-O-U-G-H, and it's a pretty nice size, like, pyramid in the middle of the woods. You see that?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the best way to explain it is, like, the if the Washington Monument tapered off... <laughs> <laughs> to a, it's very tall yeah or it's a uh, you know it's a very stretched out pyramid so
1: here's what happened there and tell me that this isn't this is one of the places i knew about this a long time ago and it took us forever to go out there because we were so scared this is uh the kilo massacre is believed to have been both the largest and the last native american attack on white settlers in east texas the massacre took place on october 5th 1838, near Larissa, north of Jacksonville, in the northwestern part of Cherokee County. There were 18 victims, who included Isaac Kelo Sr. and his extended family, the families of four sons and two daughters. They had immigrated to the Republic of Texas from Talladega County in Alabama in 1837, settling on December
2: 24th of that year.
1: Unaware, apparently, that the land was made available to them and it was under hot dispute by the Cherokee Indians who lived in the area, Isaac Kelo and his homesteaders began clearing land for crops and building homes. Only a year earlier, however, the area surrounding their settlement had been set aside for the Cherokee under a treaty negotiated and signed by Sam Houston. When the Republic of Texas Senate refused to ratify the treaty and then in December of 1838 formally nullified it, the Cherokee, who, were already, who already thought that they had conceded enough, became extremely agitated. <laughs> the immediate and increasing influx of Anglo settlers into the land, thought to have been theirs, did nothing to quell the Cherokee resentment. And as there was also residual bitterness among some Hispanics still loyal to Mexico, the atmosphere in the region became tense in early 1838. By the summer of that year, there were rumblings of coming insurrections from either or both of those factions, and evidence existed for collusion between them. Fearing this growing unrest, Kilo and his relatives and friends tried fled to Nacogdoches for refuge. On condition that they would leave the area after doing so, the Cherokee leaders agreed to their safe passage. If they would turn would return simply to harvest their crops. They did so. But on October 5th, 1838, a band of Cherokee who had not been party to the agreement attacked the settlement. Most of the kilo group, a total of 18 were killed and or abducted as they worked their fields. Those who survived fled for a time to Lacey's fort on the San Antonio road, just west of present day Alto, Texas. According to Dallas newspaperman Charles Kilpatrick, several of the men walked into an ambush, and the Native Americans then, quote, "shot down Isaac Jr., Allen, Samuel and George Wood, then swept up hill into the little settlement. Isaac Sr. fell in his front yard, and man, I've never seen this name Barrachius. Barrachius Williams was killed in front of the screaming women. Eight settlers, including seven women and children, were seized by warriors and carried into the forest. They were never seen or heard of again. Nathaniel Kelo and his wife and 11-month-old baby girl, Eliza Jane, escaped into a cane break. And Mrs. Samuel Kelo, Mrs. Isaac Kelo Sr., Mrs. Isaac Kelo Jr., and the baby William also managed to elude the Redskins. Again, quoting a Dallas newspaperman at the time. Three weary days later, the party staggered into Fort Lacey and Alto, 40 miles south, where they found safety. Wow. A stone obelisk commemorating the event was erected by the Works Project Administration in the 30s, and a historical marker was dedicated in 1965.
2: Yeah. So you guys went out there?
1: Yeah. And I mean, talk about a place where if there was a place in East Texas that was supposed to be either haunted and or where, again, devil worshipers. I was way more scared of devil worshipers mm-hmm. as a kid because they will skin you and hang you from a fence. Apparently, you know, that's the way that they told us. But yeah, stuff like that. You know, we would I, I even want to say that my uncle who lives in the wood you know and you, you know, may have acquired some land at some point and when they were clearing it off they found you know a old cemetery and it was either you know african or native indian because you know a lot of and a lot of them were just blank yeah you know or with one name but nothing else it was creepy. That town of Bullard, though, there is a, a family that we still know to this day very well. And they bought this. If you look at an old picture of Bullard, there's one house. And they bought this house and one, they went to church with them. And we they would put on hay rides, you know, for the youth group. It was great, you know. But that house, they had five boys. And inside of it, first of all, there was a huge H in tile on the ceiling. So our bit was, you know, oh, your house is haunted. You got the oldest, you know. <laughs> it was an old, creepy-looking mansion, right? Yeah. They had been living there a year. And the father was putting some books up and, no kidding, stumbled across a like a movable wall behind his bookshelf it went straight down and turns out that house was part of the underground railroad
2: oh that's pretty that's pretty interesting
1: it is but there's a lot of that stuff yeah and you know east texas again when you have the wood it really it's you know it separates you you're not that far away but again to go from as the crow flies is hard impossible even you know And unless there's a road getting you there, that's how you're gonna get there. So there's a lot of, a lot of hidden history.
2: I thought you were gonna say the bookshelf moved away and Edward Molehair was back there. It's time for our journey to begin.
1: <laughs> I mean, that looked a lot like that. Looked a lot like that place. That's crazy. I can't believe I. You're gonna to have to go to the Kilo Massacre burial site. Yeah. And there was something posted five hours ago. That's why I wowed whenever I Googled it.
2: About about Kilo,
1: my like that Texas dot com. Yeah, this is like somebody who went out there for the first time, hmm. did a write up of it, posted it today. Maybe I'll share it. But again, maybe I won't. all right man you want to call this one done let's call it okay talk hey uh we want to remind everyone be sure to follow us on
2: facebook at OK talk show uh just search OK talk show it'll come up the page will come up
1: and we're on twitter at OK talk show Mm -hmm. we are available all over the interwebs for your podcasting needs iTunes, Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to rate us. Yeah. Highly. (laughs) Comment. It helps people find the show. Really does. Really appreciate all the positive feedback.
2: I'm really happy. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, to pull the curtain back a little bit, this is the first time we've been in studio since we really got this thing rolling out there. Yeah. And...
1: It's been going well.
2: Yeah, I'm really happy with, uh, with the response.
1: I am too. If you like things that sound good, even if the content is terrible, <laughs> our podcast is pretty good for that. We have a little bit at our disposal. But uh, yeah, we should have a, a fun fall. I'm excited. I'm going back to Galvez here in a couple of weeks.
2: Mm.
1: The Hotel Galvez. Oh yeah,
2: bring a recorder with you.
1: <laughs> well, uh, you've heard what I, you've heard what I got before.
2: Yeah, maybe we'll have some stuff to play.
1: Yeah, that week maybe uh, maybe we'll do a lead up episode and then, you know, if you and the lady want to drive down there, it's true. It's after season, so it's really choice. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. I don't want to get into that because I'll <laughs> go down that rabbit hole. I'll go down that obelisk. It's crazy, this picture of this Kilo monument though, like this lady, it looks like she laid down on the ground and took the picture. It looks like a a Mayan.
2: Oh wow, yeah, that's real crazy looking. (laughs) It is. It it didn't look that tall. What is it, like six feet tall or is it? I'm gonna tell you one other thing about East Texas. One
1: time I was out in the woods in my car, making out with my girlfriend in the daytime. As you do as you would be want to do in the daytime. And I saw I was obviously involved in something else. This is just heavy petting. Come on. I saw like shadow in the car. Uh huh. And I sat up and there were like four or five people That were walking by the car we were just in the middle of an open field i guess what (laughs) yeah yeah it was creepy because there's no telling how long they were there were they they were normal looking they weren't wearing robes or anything but then again i mean they walked like right by the
2: car they look inside it had to have. I mean, did you make eye contact with them? I think I
1: sat, like, I sat up, kind of, It's like, what the? That, that's a moment where your heart jumps out of your chest. Yeah. I mean, that's a, not expecting anybody to be here. Yeah. And it didn't please the lady. I know that. She, <laughs> she was very upset. Yeah, man, there's some weird shit in, the, in East <laughs> Texas. We're going to have to delve into this further. I'm like unlocking memories. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I uh, really appreciate everyone listening. Share with your friends. You can send your negative comments to go to hell at gmail.com. Uh, you can also email us, right? At OK Talk Show? Uh,
2: yeah, OK Talk Podcast at gmail.com.
1: OK Talk Podcast at gmail.com if you have.
2: We don't have a unified brand quite yet, but you. <laughs> You no, can't can find us there. Or send us a Facebook message, post on the post on the website, send us, uh, send us a message on Twitter. Yeah,
1: we can start doing that where we put a post up, right? It says, hey, we want to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can start. Uh, if you've if you, you got any stories you want to add. Can you make a poll? Like, can people vote? Sorry, I just hit the probably. microphone with yeah, this. Yeah, I point.
2: think so. Yeah. I'm still learning how to do the... Uh, do all that stuff but do okay. you know how to post videos <laughs> <laughs> facebook
1: i knocked my headphones off of that one all right until next time ladies and gentlemen this has been wait no because i'm getting in trouble for not introducing ourselves thank you for listening to okay talk i'm clinton i'm matt and we'll see you next time